This one is called promotion, covetousness. So we were dealing with covetousness last week. And uh, just a, a quick a recap. Covetousness is to desire, uh, to desire for material things or um, just desire certain things. It's a desire for things. But like any, any other desire or sin, it, uh, it can grow in strength. Right? It can grow in strength. Like when, for example, when you, um, for example, like stealing. You know, first you develop the thoughts and maybe you have problems and stuff like that. And you, as you meditate and think, and eventually you come, and then once you sin, you can have, give birth to desire, and so it strengthens. So any sin can strengthen. So there's different levels. Uh, covetousness eventually can lead to you murdering maybe someone over something, over money or those type of things. Right? So um, it is... It is something that we, that we have to check in ourselves. Now, what I also want to say to you is that in the book of Deuteronomy, we have the chapter there, or not the chapter, the book itself, or Deuteronomy. I don't know what you call it in, in Afrikaans. It's a very moeilijk. It's a tongknoper. Right, uh, Deuteronomy. And it is the book just before they go into the promised land. And the purpose of that book is to tell you how you should live when you are in the promised land. What is the promised land? It's the land of milk and honey. It's the land of blessing. It's the land where you're coming to your promises. It's the land of, of where you're having the overflow. Right? One of the, one of the books, uh, or one of the chapters in Deuteronomy will say, when you're in that land, you won't lack anything. You'll have everything. You see, so it's a land of overflow. And what God does is in the book of Deuteronomy, He prepares the people and reminds them of everything that He has said already to them. And He prepares them by giving them a, a reminder so that they know how they should live when they are in there. And then He says, when you are there, do not forget my commandments. Do not forget what I have told you. So, um, so what I feel is that uh, what I feel is that the Lord that the Lord is sort of giving uh, preparing us for promotion or an abundance and so on. Um, so it is it is as so God is speaking these things so that we can prepare ourselves. So God doesn't want us when we go into uh, an overflow or increase and so on to have covetousness then to just spend everything on ourselves right god wants us you know, we will see in the scriptures god wants us to give god wants us to to be able to give for the kingdom work for the kingdom and so on and at the same time be blessed uh, enjoy ourselves and and eat from the the fruit of our labors and so on so Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 from verses 5 and we'll just read through this whole chapter again. And last week I 
we read the parable in Luke chapter 12, and where Jesus first said, Beware of covetousness. Uh, take heed and beware. Take heed means to look, to see. So you must be able to see. Uh, if you can't see it, if you don't understand it, if you don't have perception, then you cannot see covetousness and you cannot beware. Take care. Then he gives a parable, and the parable is of a certain rich man whose, or a rich man whose ground uh, fared plentifully or it prospered, it moved forward. And the Bible says he thought within himself, what shall he do? And uh, so he increased his barns, uh, made more storehouses and so on, so that all the, the, everything that he got extra just came back to him again. And, um, and then the Bible says he took his ease and he said, eat, drink, and be merry. And, and then the Bible says, this night God would say to him, you fool, do you not know this night your soul is required of you? And then those things which you have, who shall they be? And so on. And, uh, and then Jesus ends up saying, And so is he who lays up treasure for himself. So the whole point of the parable was that last saying of Jesus. So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So uh, the point out of the whole parable is, is that we mustn't lay everything for ourselves, right? We must uh, use it also. And then, we, as we will see how far we get when we go back to Luke chapter 12, and then we'll see how eventually Jesus says, give alms, sell what you have. Now, sell what you have doesn't necessarily mean sell literally what you have, okay? Because there were some people who wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus said, no, just stay where you are. Other people, he said, follow me. So it's different. Sometimes it might be really physical, but other times, most of the times, God is just telling us in our hearts that we must sell it. We must disconnect ourselves in a sense so that it doesn't control us and take away our faith and our trust in God. You're all with me. Remember, we're dealing with the intent. So, the, the, the purpose of that parable or that story was not to say um, you shouldn't plan. Because obviously that man, he had a plan of how he's going to increase and prosper. That was not the point of the parable. The parable, um, the point was, he was highlighting when there's covetousness, everything is for yourself. Right? There's nothing to share. That was the whole point of the parable. There was nothing wrong in, in, um, in the fact that, that you could plan, right? You all understand that. Because it can look like that in the parable that is, you know, that planning to prosper and to move forward, you know, is wrong. That's not the point of the parable. Okay. But let's read here. Okay. Perverse disputing of men and corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing... Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourself. So here it says, we can tend to think that gain is godliness. Right? Uh, give me the next one. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So what is of gain to us, um, for us in Christ, what is of gain for us is that we are able to be uh, content, all right, 
with godliness, living right, having a pure life. So, but godliness with contentment is great gain to you, right? Um, and the word contentment I gave you last week, it means to be satisfied with what you have, to have sufficient. There's this, there's a scripture, we'll read it later on again, but I'll quote it now, where Jesus says, um, where he says, do not take thought for what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall be clothed with. He says, for your life is more than meat. And he says, your body is more than raiment. Okay, in other words, your body is more than clothes. And he says, your life is more than food. Now, I mean, in the past I read that and I was, that doesn't mean anything to me. And I just, but then I realized uh, when God started speaking to me about covetousness, I started realizing that what Jesus was actually saying is a, is a mindset that you must have. Because if you come to the place, if you say to yourself, but my body is already enough, then you can be content. You see, he's dealing with contentment. He's saying, what you've got to look at is you already have enough. You, you, I mean, if you have a roof over your head, if you have food to eat and you have clothes, you already have enough. What makes us strive for more is that we see others who have bigger, better than what we have, and then we also run after it. But if we look at it, if we sometimes look at ourselves and we look at others, we say, yo, but we are far better off than other people who don't have what I have, right? And so um, Jesus is trying to bring you down to this place. He says, listen, you have enough, right? You have enough? Do you eat chips in the week? Do you buy yourself a packet of chips? Do you buy chocolates? Do you watch some movies? Do you have three, four, five pairs of shoes? Who say? DSTV? You know? You got enough. But you want more. You understand? The point is the thinking. Jesus is dealing with the thinking there. Your life is more than meat and your body is more than clothing. So he's dealing with the thinking within you so that he can, so that he can, if he can develop this thinking, he can strip you from covetousness, right? Because when there is not contentment, when you are not satisfied with your presently where you are, uh, remember last week I told you, the Bible says that that, that man's made a room, right? He made a room for himself. Um, now, you may not be able to relate, but the, the principle is there that when we increase, for example, let's say we get a big raise, you'll be surprised how you can then find room for that raise in your, in your house or in your life. You can make room to, to, all of a sudden you see things. You all understand what I'm saying? Now again, I'm not saying that you cannot buy, you cannot enjoy. We'll read scriptures just now where the Bible says it is the gift of God for you to eat your portion out of what He has given you. You know, to, it is your portion given to you to eat and to enjoy what you have. The point again out of covetous and the story is, is that we spend everything on ourselves and we have nothing to give or to be a blessing the covenant that God made with Abraham is that I will bless you that you might be a blessing. Right? They didn't say I bless you that you can keep the blessing. Alright? So, 
Now let's read on here. So that's contentment. It means to be satisfied. It also means to be strong. It means to raise a barrier. Right? Next verse. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So what do you, Paul is again dealing with the thinking. Uh, this is obviously Paul's thinking. This is how Paul thinks. And, and Paul is trying to give this thinking to Timothy. He's telling Timothy, I want you to think like this. I want you to know that you brought nothing in and you shall take nothing out. So you'll have to leave it behind. So uh, next verse. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. So he said, as he said, and you do have clothes, you know, you should be content. You should be uh, satisfied. You should be say, I have sufficient. I already have enough. You know, um, it should bring you to the point of why should I get more? You understand what I'm saying? Next one. Um, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So Paul is telling Timothy that if you are having a, a pursuing for these things, uh, an abnormal pursuit in the area of covetousness, when covetousness is driving you um, and to go, when you're coveting money, okay? And he says, then you will, you will fall into temptation and you will go into a snare. So there will be a trap. You will be, because of the desire, so because of the desire, the, we are prone to temptation. What does the scripture say in the book of James? He says, when any man is tempted, let no man say he's tempted of God. For God tempts no man and neither is he, can he be tempted with evil. Right? But he says, every man is tempted of his own desire. Right? Okay, so, so if there's no desire, if, for example, if you don't have no desire for smoking, no one can tempt you. If you have no desire for alcohol, no one can tempt you. If you have no desire uh, to sleep around, no one can tempt you. You understand? You are, they can tempt but it will not, the temptation will, will not succeed upon you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so it is by the desire that you can be lured in, pulled in, uh, drawn in into a place that you do not want to find yourself. You all understand that? Now, again, this, I, I think I said it last week, but when we go into that scripture on let no man say when he's tempted, He's tempted of God. And the word for tempt means, it, in, the, in the Greek, it means to test. It means to scrutinize. It means to, it means to prove you. Right? So, it's testing. So, in other words, the Bible is saying that the devil is the tempter. We saw that in, in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. Just give me Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 quickly. The more I'm thinking on this, the more I'm like, wow. Okay. Yes. The devil, the devil is the tempter, the tester, the prover. Right? Although God led you into a wilderness to test you, but the one who does the testing is the devil. Okay. Matthew chapter 4 verses 1. 
Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested or scrutinized or proved, right, of the devil. And so that word tempted is the exact same Greek word in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Now again the reason why we, I'm highlighting this again is because we are so quick. You know, we are so quick that the, the situations or the struggles that we have is to put it onto God. And, um, and then, but the Bible says, uh, give me the next one. It puts it even, makes it even more clearer. Okay, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterwards hungry. Next one. And when the tempter came, do you see that? When the tempter came, who's the tempter? Satan. All right? And uh, while he is not omnipresent, in other words, he's not everywhere, he does have um, unclean spirits that work on his behalf. Right? So, so, although he was the one doing the three temptations, he might... He might not be personally with you doing your temptation. It might be just someone in that area, right? So, so the t- devil is the tempter. In other words, the devil is the one that's going to test you. The devil is the one that's going to scrutinize you. Remember what Jesus said to Peter. Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed that your faith would not fail you. So he's the sifter. He's the scrutinizer. He's the tester. And the point out of that is we've got to realize because that brings us to the point that the Spirit of God, God is with me. The, the tempter, so the devil is the one doing the temptation. The Bible says that the wilderness, according to Hebrews chapter 3, it is the day of temptation or the day of testing or a season. If we speak about a day, it's not one day, it's a season of testing. So in other words, God leads us into a place to be tested, but he is not the one doing the temptation or the testing. The, the simple way I can explain it to you is, is uh, the way the Lord explained it to me is, if you have a, a soccer team, if let's say I'm the coach of a soccer team, and I train them, I train them, now... I want to put their skill to the test. So I lead them into a test match. I organize the test match. But unfortunately, I am not going to be the one playing against them. I am going to get a team that will test their skill. Test how well I have trained them. Is there somewhere where I still need to work on them? Is there somewhere where I still need to train and develop them? What are the shortcomings? So the, the team, the other team, 
will be the one that will be testing the team's skill who I have coached. So I organize the test match, but the other team is doing the testing on your skills. And so this is what that story is saying. It's saying that God leads us into the wilderness, a season of testing, but He lets the tempter come and do the testing upon us to scrutinize us. All right? So therefore, I, how I see that and view that is that the struggles then that I go through is coming from Him and I am with God to overcome. God is with me to overcome whatever the devil is bringing towards me. Do you understand that? It all makes sense. So, um, so that's how you sh should understand it. And what that does is it helps you. It helps you to know that God is with you. It helps you to see that whatever you are struggling and going through now, God is with you to overcome it, to support you, to make you more than an overcomer. Right? Okay. Um, go back to go back to First Timothy chapter six. I don't want to go into the testing now. We can some other time really explain that. First Timothy chapter six. Verses 9, I think it was. Okay. So, they that will be rich will fall into temptation and a snare. So, if, so what was the devil then doing to Jesus? He was then looking to see, he was bringing his temptations... And he wanted to see if there's a desire in for what he is tempting. Right? Because um, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points like we were. Now when I read that scripture, it doesn't make sense to me. Because um, was he tempted with drugs? Was he tempted, you know... To sleep around or, you know, you don't read of such stories like you read about Samson. You see Samson was in the temptation. You see the story of David and he falling with, uh, what's it, Bathsheba. Okay, falling with her, getting tempted. Okay, see Bathsheba. Okay, she was spending time in the bath and then it's Bathsheba. <laughs> right? <laughs> and... Uh, and so, we, I, don't, I don't read of Jesus struggling with what I was struggling with. But the, what the Bible is saying there is, in the book of 1 John chapter 2, it says, all that is in the world. All. And then he names three things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the pride of life. That means all temptations are classified into these three. They may be diverse and come different in that area, but it boils down to the same point. It is these three temptations. It's these three lusts. Okay? So if that lust is in you, you can fall into any one of those three. Okay? Do you see that? So, and when Jesus went through the wilderness, He only had to be tempted in the principle of the temptation... Because though it's diverse, the principle is the same. 
So he only had needed to go through the three, then he would have been tempted like us in all points and overcame because he overcame the principle of the temptation. Do you all understand that? Right? So, um, so now, when you, look, when you look at Jesus in the wilderness, I'm going back to this wilderness again, because I'm trying to explain this temptation and snare, how you fall into temptation and snare. The devil is the tempter. The, the first one obviously turned the stone into bread. He was hungry. Uh, hungry, right? Turn the stone into bread, make for your food, no, and so on. Next one. Next one then, in, the, in, the, in Matthew and Luke, it says it differently. I don't know. I think in Luke, it, it is the pinnacle of the temple second. And in Matthew, it is, the, it is the mountain and showing all the kingdoms second. So I think I'm going with uh, Matthew. Say again. Yeah, that's why it's different in Matthew and, and, uh, and Luke. But anyway, so there's a temp- let's say there's a temptation. And one of the temptations is, the Bible says Satan takes him. Takes him. Who takes him? Satan takes him. And in a moment of time, puts him into, uh, takes him to this high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of this world. Now there are many kingdoms. For example, there's the kingdom of God. Right? Uh, the, the book of Daniel talks about the kingdom of men. The book of Daniel. The kingdoms of men. Nebuchadnezzar was a king who had a kingdom called Babylon. The kingdom of Babylon. So it was a kingdom of man. Then there was, then there was, uh, then there's, according to the Bible, there's the kingdom of darkness. It's the realm of Satan. So there's three kingdoms I mentioned. Then if you go into the English dictionary and you look up the word kingdom, then you will find there's an animal kingdom. Then you will find there's a mineral kingdom. Then you will find there's a plant kingdom. So there are many kingdoms, right? So, and so there are kingdoms of men, there are systems and so on. And the Bible says that Satan takes him to his mouth, show him all the kingdoms of this world, and he says, I will give this to you, right? I will give this to you, and if you, if you, if you want this, if you have a strong lust for this, if you have a strong craving for this, okay, that's, he didn't say that, but it's definitely what's down, deep down. And then, he's, and then he says, I will give you all this if you bow down and worship me. Jesus replies, and he says, it is written, man, sh- man you shall worship the Lord your God first. And he says, and then he says, and him only shall you serve. Right? linking whom you serve is whom you worship right whom you serve is whom you worship this is a temptation in the wilderness the tempter is coming whom you serve is whom you worship Jesus overcomes that those three the other one as well, the pinnacle of the temple. He later, that's in Matthew 4, he later comes in Matthew chapter 6, and then he talks about, then he talks about, consider the ravens. Right? They, they sow not, they reap not, neither have storehouse nor barn, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How much more shall your heavenly Father not feed you? 
Okay, right? So that was the first one. Satan, he was, Jesus was hungry. Who is going to feed you? Jesus overcame and said, no, I'm in the wilderness in a dry place. Only God, my Father, will sustain me. So I will live by His word and His word will lead me to food. Right? And I will live. Then the next one, Jesus said, so he could say that because he had his wilderness experience. Then he goes to the second one. Then he says, consider the lilies. How they, uh, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. Uh, but Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. Now he's dealing with clothing. See the second one where Satan said to him, do you see all these kingdoms? Satan wanted to clothe him. You see, he wanted to give him um, all these things in the world. And then, and then Jesus, Jesus obviously gave him the answer. No, you shall worship the Lord, you shall serve him alone. And, and then in Matthew chapter 6, he says, If God so clothed the grass, who is today in the field and tomorrow is in the oven, how much more shall God not clothe ye of little faith? So what is he dealing with that? There was a period in my life when I gave my heart to the Lord, I believed in prosperity. Then there came a period in my life where I was against prosperity because I heard all the negativity around the prosperity teaching. When you watch TBN, it's money, 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 right? Money, 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 right? There's a lot of covetousness for the money. And so everything is about the money. And, uh, and so there was a lot of negativity then around the prosperity teaching. So I became negative to it, right? And so I went into a place where I stopped tithing and I stopped doing this because then I got confused, right? And then this scripture, or not this one that's on here, but the one where Jesus says, if God so clothed the grass today, which is today in the field and tomorrow is in the oven, what does the scripture say? All flesh is as grass. So he's telling you that if he clothes the grass in this, in the lifespan that he has in this world, from the day you are born and from the day you die, that's your lifespan. Today in the field, tomorrow in the oven, gone, goodbye, finished, plucked out. Right? He says, but how much more will God not clothe you? So he's telling you that God wants to clothe you now. In other words, he's telling you that God wants you to prosper now. He's telling you that God wants you to go forward now. God has a plan and intention to cause you to prosper now. You're all with me. So, the, what the devil wanted to do is he wanted to tempt him. Who's going to clothe? Who's going to give it to you? Whoever gives a temptation. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, maybe we should just read the scripture because just quoting it... You, uh, Matthew chapter 6, we'll come back to this one. I'm dealing with the temptation and the snare. I'm trying to explain that to you. Okay, I'm trying to explain that to you. The temptation and the snare. Give me Matthew chapter 6. I think it's somewhere. Let me just check here. I no plan to speak these things. Matthew 6, verses 24. Matthew 6, verses 24. Give me a verse from verse 19. Let's read it from verse 19. Okay. Um, uh, 
see verse 19. Okay, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. Next one. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven for where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where the thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what is Jesus after? He's after where is the heart. Right? He's after where is your heart. He doesn't want your heart to be stolen. Or he did say, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. So, uh, your heart has to be involved in the love. Right? So, he doesn't want the heart to be stolen. Right? And begin to love. Like the scripture says in Timothy, the love of money. You see? So, now it means the heart has been um, taken away. Next one. Now listen. Now, now read this. He was just now talking about treasure and money and so on. Then he says, The light of the body is the eye. And if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Next one. But if your eye be evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that dark? He didn't change the topic. He didn't change the topic because, give me the next one. No man can serve two masters. He didn't change the topic. He was, that, that quote that Jesus gave there, he took it out of the, the rabbi's quote. It was one of the rabbi's quote. And that quote deals with first fruits. Because the, in Israel, they practiced first fruits. And they went from an agriculture to an, um, what's it, eco economical, or, or they went, they no longer was working so much, they now started like us, we work in banks and we work in that. So they needed to know, now how were they going to determine their first fruits? They came and asked the rabbis, how are we to determine our first fruits? And then, and then uh, they worked it out for them and so on, and then they gave, and then they said this, according to the first fruits. So then he said, then they said, if, if you give more first fruit, your eye is good. If you give less first fruit, your eye is evil. So what are they saying? The more you give, the more you're releasing to God. The, less you, the more you keep for yourself, the more your eye is becoming evil. So he's the, now the lust of the eye. See, the lust of the eye. You, you look, you see, you want, you retain, you keep. You just gain for yourself. You understand, you understand it? So, so in other words, when he's talking about the eye, he says when your eye becomes infected by covetousness, by greediness, these things, he says it affects your, the light that you have on the inside of you. It will affect your revelation. It will affect it will affect the, the way you, the way you, that's why certain revelations God will never share with you. Because there needs to be, there needs to be a level of giving over, surrendering, to, to see things, to enter into it. Right? So then he says, no man, oh, I'm dealing with a temptation in this. Nee, nee. Sila allemaal nog met me. 
Sila sangot may? Okay, okay. Like this, when I... When I'm using pyrons, I'm trying to uh, go here. No man can serve two masters. For either... Now, note the word serve. For either you will hate the one, love the other. Love. Stealing the heart. Or else you will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and Mammon. No gray line. Does that mean you, you can't work? Does that mean you can't have money? Does that mean you can't be successful? No, that's not what he's meaning. He's talking about the heart, where the heart is fixed upon. What is working in the heart? When the heart is solely on God, trusting in God, having faith in God, anytime God can tell you, for example, to just leave it, you will leave it because your trust, your faith is in God. Right? But if that is not there, it becomes impossible to follow God, to serve God properly, especially when He wants things from you. You cannot serve God and Mammon then he says, verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. He is not. So now he says, how do you know Memon? How do you know you're under Memon's control? He says, you, you worry. The word thought, it means anxious. It means to be worried. You are worried about your eating, your drinking, where you're going to get this, how you're going to survive, and all these type of things. You understand? When that worry is there, that means that, means that Mammon has got an influence, a grip upon you. Right? Okay? Therefore. Why does he say therefore? Because of what he said before. So, you cannot serve God and Mammon, and Jesus links serving to worship. In the wilderness. So in other words, if, if, uh, if I am serving, if Mammon has got me, I may sing the songs, I may cry the tears, I may enjoy the worship. But God says, now it was a son. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you're not a son. Right? But Jesus, you see, the Father wants to be everything to us. Right? He wants to be our source. That's, that's what the Father is after. He wants, he wants you to be His Son. Okay? So that's how you come into a snare, a trap. Okay? Do you all understand that? You come into a snare and you come into a trap. Now, God is saying, God is saying, you know that He wants us to prosper. He wants us to have. He wants us to have in abundance. But He does not want us to fall into a trap. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be able to be under His, under his unction, his, his guidance, his leadings. If He says give, you can give. But if your eye is evil and God says give, you can't. You understand? Or you take longer to give. He said give and you know, and you take longer to give. Do you understand? It's the control, it's the, it's the inability, it is then the inability to be obedient to God. Which means that God is not 100% in control of my life, but that control is by my free will. 
Right? It is by my free will. I am not possessed by God. God didn't take me over like a demon. He gave me the free choice. The, the choice to surrender. The choice to do those things. We go into a place where we now are ensnared by our desire. Come into a place where we cannot be obedient to the leading of the Spirit when He puts it upon us. Right? And God does not want us to be in that place. So, so, um, so if, if he asks you to give your last, right, then you give your last because you know who is your source. Right? You know. You know you can uh, do that. Okay. Uh, take me back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. Okay, so basically Jesus is dealing with the love for it. The love for it, right? And what God is saying is, He doesn't want us to have that love for it. Right? He wants us to have it. He wants us to enjoy it. He wants us to eat from it. Enjoy, however and so on. But He does not want us to be entrapped by it. He does not want us, does not want us to fall to love it, you understand? Because then our hearts are getting carried away. Okay, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So this will lead to more and more foolish, hurtful lusts. Next verse. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while men coveted after. So you see, the love, the covet. Love, covet. Love, seeking after, going after. Now, the, the covetousness has a, a measure, it can increase. Okay? They have erred from the faith. They have erred from the faith. So, the, so, again, what is God saying? He says, I want to give, but I don't want you to depart. I don't want you to go in and depart from the faith. Stray from the faith. I want you to stay in the faith. You can, you can see. So that's what he did with Israel in Deuteronomy. I'm, I'm saying you go there. I'm going to bless you. You're going to have it. But I do not want you. I want you to remember it is me that gave it to you. It is, comes from me. I blessed you. You have it from me. I am the Lord your God. Me only shall you serve. You shall be obedient to me. You shall be obedient to nothing else. Right? They, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. So there's many sorrows that can come from this. Verses 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So Paul is now telling Timothy, listen, this is what I want you to pursue. I want you to pursue righteousness. I want you to pursue godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Character, integrity, maturity, um, excellence, uh, walking uprightly, um, doing our work correctly and properly and so on. Uh, he says, I want you to pursue these things. These are the things that you must pursue. Many times in pursuit of the other, we will forsake these because when you covet after, you could end up 
stealing it. Right? You can, you can end up getting it away that you shouldn't have gotten it. Do you all understand what I'm saying? So, there's, so Paul says to Timothy, listen, I want you to seek righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Okay, give me uh, Psalm 112 verses from verses 1. So, uh, the, the, these scriptures that I'm going to give you, I want to show you, I want to show you that that they, it is not wrong to have wealth and riches. It's not wrong to be riches. I'm not trying to give you that impression. What I'm trying to deal with is the heart. That's what I need you to continuously understand. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. Next one. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright, the upright, shall be blessed. Next one. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Can you see that? So what God wants is us, he wants us to have an abundance, but with righteousness. He wants us to have an abundance with godliness. He wants us to have an abundance with faith. He wants us to have an abundance with patience, and, and these type of things. Otherwise, you know, Otherwise, we, we become proud and arrogant and we don't want that. God doesn't want us to be like that. God wants us to be humble while we have it. Okay? Uh, next one. Unto the upright there arises light in darkness. So, as long as you stay upright while having wealth and riches, God says, in your darkness I will provide light. In other words, when there are things hidden from you that you cannot understand, that is veiling you, he says, I will provide light that you will understand, that you will gain access to, that you will have access into the secret. Okay? He is gracious, full of compassion, and righteous. See? Okay, next one. A good man shows favor and lends. See, a good man shows favor and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Next one. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. See, look at the word. See, righteous. See, God saying, pursue righteousness. So, we must, we must have the abundance with the righteousness. We must not have righteousness with ungodliness. You see that? Next one. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. See where the heart is. The heart is still with God. So God, again, God wants us to have it, but He does not want your heart to be stolen. He wants your heart to be fixed on Him. Next one. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until He sees desire upon His enemies. Next one. He has dispersed. He has given to the poor. He has a right, his righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Do you see? Paul is saying, I want you to pursue righteousness. I want you to pursue maturity. I want you to pursue faith, patience, and, and excellence. And some of those other things we'll talk about when we talk about Daniel. Daniel. And show you how these things actually brought Daniel into, into a place of, of honor. 
right? Brought to a place of honor. We must pursue wisdom, right? We must pursue wisdom and so on. And, but we will see that in the life of Daniel. And uh, so, but this scripture, last week I read the scripture that says, He that ministers seed to the sower and bread to the eater gives, goes, uh, gives to seed to him and increases the fruits of his righteousness. And the previous verse took this quote. Because you see, the, the dispersing, the scattering, the giving, he has, and he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. God will increase in the New Testament, it says, God will increase the fruits of your righteousness. The ability to give, to scatter, and so on. His own shall be exalted. I think, uh, give me the next one. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Okay, give me another one. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18 to 19. Okay, Ecclesiastes is the... Is the vanities of vanities. Now, where, where Solomon experienced many things and then he comes to the point, it's vanity. But here, he says something nice. He says, Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor. You see that? That he takes under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his portion. Right? Next one. Every man also to whom God has given riches and wealth and has given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. Wow. You see, so it is, it is not that we are saying that these things are wrong. It is... It is the ability to have the liberty, the freedom to be under the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit so that we can do what God wants us to do. Okay, so uh, then give me Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. Eight verse 18. Okay, so you can see it is the gift of God to have an abundance and then to eat and to enjoy and to do what you want to do. Right? Verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore unto your fathers as it is this day. So the covenant of God includes the gaining or the prosperity. Right? The prosperity. Okay, so I'm giving you those scriptures because I want to, again, I want you to see there's nothing wrong with it. I don't want to create that impression. But I'm, I'm, we are dealing with the heart because we want ourselves to be able to be obedient to God. Okay, take me back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11. We read verses 11. Verses 11. Okay, but thou, o man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So you, is this, is this your goal? That's the question you need to ask yourself. You need to ask yourself a question. Are you pursuing righteousness? Are you pursuing holiness, purity? Are you pursuing faith? Are you pursuing love, 
patience and meekness. Okay, and then we'll add some of the other stuff later on. Excellence and wisdom and, and those type of things. Are you pursuing these things in your life? And you got to, don't lie to yourself. That's stupid. Okay, don't lie to yourself. Just honest. Be honest with yourself. Are you seeking these things because we are dealing with the intent of the heart? We're dealing with the intentions of our hearts. Um, and therefore, we must, you must ask yourself, am I going after these things? Okay? Uh, next one, verses 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, if you, have you ever heard the scripture, fight the good fight of faith? Now, fight the good fight of faith is in connection with the abundance. Having a lot. Why? Because you can stray from the faith. So you need to fight the good fight. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are also called, and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, and then he goes into Jesus, verses 13. He talks about Jesus um, who witnessed a good confession. So he's asking us to have a good witness. Next one, verses 14. Uh, that you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next one. Uh, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Next one. Who only has immortality, dwelling in the light, which no man can approach, unto whom no man has seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power, everlasting. Amen. So he's talking about Jesus' witness, how he witnessed and how he stood and what is being given and so on. The next one, verse 18 or oh, 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So we read the scripture last week where it said he gives us richly all things to enjoy. We read now Ecclesiastes. We read these things. So what, what God is saying to us is that is that if we're going to go, for example, Israel, go into the promised land, go into these things. God is saying, I want you to have it. But then I want you not to be high-minded. I want you not to trust in uncertain riches. Remember we read Psalm 112. He trusts in the Lord. His heart is fixed. But in the loving God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So if God, God wants to increase us, give an abundance, let us to have these things, but He does not want us to have a covetous heart, right? He does not want our hearts to love these things. Do you all understand what I'm saying? God is saying, uh, I want, so because we're dealing with promotion. Remember that we started out in Psalm, I think it's oh, 75 or somewhere there, verse 6. Remember promotion, doesn't come from the, the east or the west or the south, but God sits as a judge. So in other words, God is judging. What is he judging? What is he looking at? You see, what is he, what, how, when he evaluates you, what does he look at? Um, we, here we see we're dealing with the heart in another, later on we will see how he evaluates your work you do. How he checks on the way you work, at work. And, and all those type of things. So it, uh, we are dealing with what is God judging? What does he look at? What does he search in our hearts? And so on. Okay. 
Go with me now back to, uh, or not, beginning Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. So like Deuteronomy, God is telling us what, how we should live when we come into the, these things. Do you understand that? Right? It, it is coming beforehand so that we can adjust ourselves. Okay. Now, let your conversation be without covetousness. Okay, the word conversation actually means manner of life. Manner of life. Your behavior, your lifestyle. Without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Be content. So, what, what guards you from covetousness is contentment. What protects you against it is being content. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, how many times has someone sent you that scripture saying, Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And they saw you were in a struggle. And they said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know? But in, 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 the, in, the, in the scripture, what he is saying is, the reason you can be content with where you are and find yourself is because God will not leave you. He won't forsake you. You see that? In the, li in, in the light of the scripture, the next verse, verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man shall do to me. So, this is connected with the previous verse. So, in other words, what he's saying is he wants you to be able to stand confidently and then say, the Lord may help God help me. I know. You see, you, you can say, I gave my last. I remember the, 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 I think I shared it, but I'll just say it again. I remember the one time, I mean, my wife said she wants to go. She wants to go. To, she needs a rest. She needs a break. She doesn't know. She is not by her to break. So net for two years, the errands, and usually we go to footprints. We go to footprints and so uh, and I and, and footprints the the room that we always stay in um, they usually give us the uh, a VIP room it's a very nice room and we stay in there and we like it it's very comfortable for us and uh, and that room for two nights costs I think two thousand two hundred uh, you know and then and then so you you it's two thousand two hundred and but we didn't have money we I think we had like five hundred rand. Some I get. And, uh, and usually, if people bless us, they put the money in my hands, right? And they give it to me, and some I get. And uh, that day, I wasn't at home. And, and they gave it to my wife. <laughs> and, but it wasn't 2,200, it was 1,700, right? And we had 500, but the 500 put it together was not now the 2,000 to pay yet. The 500 was now. But when I heard there was money, I wasn't thinking of footprints. I was thinking, that's good what must be done, right? And uh, and uh, then and then and when I come home, then she says, "Man, we have money to bring." I say, "Yeah, praise the Lord." And she says, "We have no footprints to go." I say, "No, man, that's not good. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done." 
You know, there's still, we only got 500 rand, you know, and we need still to do a lot of things. But then she says to me, and this is not a problem with my Frau, as you will read in here, you must be an informed man. You must, when she says, a dumb Frau, she is a very slim Frau. She knows how to read in here. She is an informed woman. Uh, that's why that's why she works on the doctor's nerves when they go into the hospital because most of the time she knows what they're talking about because she studies the things she reads about it and I used to say Neti insane you can't die people you can't let these people think they will know for a say what they have to do don't say anything please so I usually have to make sure I'm around somewhere there to, to keep the, the peace and so on. But anyway, and my wife says, no, but when are we going to know it's we, can, we should go somewhere, you know, if the Lord just gives and, and, uh, and we do all these things, when, is, when are we going to know? You know, uh, I mean, this money, we can use it, why not? And, and she's working on my orphan mind again. And, uh, and I was there. Now, now think I now that word, and I'm thinking, and then I say, "Ah, let's just go, man. Let's trust the Father. Let's go." And, uh, but I know now we're going there. It costs two thousand two hundred rand to obviously to to uh, to live for the the two nights there or stay the two nights there. And now we gotta we're gonna go eat out, you know. And, it, and the, the, the way it's also self-catering. So immediately you get there, you buy food for two days. So in 500 rand, can you buy a fare for two <laughs> So now, first thing, before we get to the place, we have to go to the shop. We have to buy stuff. It's self-catering. It's, it's a, um, a biscuit and it's coffee and a shaker and it's skin. We don't want to eat out for the lunch. We want to stay. We want to rest, sleep a bit. So now I have to buy something for lunch as well. And we're going to do it ourselves. So that's the, that's the story now. So, and um, so, so it's just like, I'm like, and I'm going to the trolley and say, sit in and I think, help me net, as so just help me here, please. <laughs> and, uh, and then, because tonight we're going to eat out. And, uh, so we get to eat out. And on top of that, um, by the time we go back, so we're coming back Sunday morning for service. We rent Friday. So Sunday morning when we come back, the last bit of money is going to go for petrol. Because we're going to come back. But I've got to be honest with you, I was, I was in a war. You know, I was in a struggle because I was thinking, God, only 1,007. I know that bill is more than 2,200. I think, yeah, Wow, where are we gonna? And I'm thinking, and I was like, no. Now I've learned, and I've learned already. God is your father. Now I've learned, He knows. He knows ahead. He already saw ahead. He knows. He knows. So I'm like saying to myself, God knows, Father, you, you know. You say, don't ask for it. You wish not ask. I'm not gonna. And we go on like it. Okay, I don't wanna overlabor the story. And so this is my struggle. And. And then the, when it came to the morning, when we got the, the what's it called, the, it's the invoice or the invoice? 1,700 on the dot. In that envelope, 1,700. 
Dankie. Praise the Heere. Die vrou het besluit to give us a discount and it came down to 1,700. Amen. Right, so uh, God wants us to, to trust Him, to put our hearts in Him and so on. Now we're going back and the money's finished. Nou het ek ook geleer, soedra geld klaar is, once money's finished, money cometh. I started learning, money finish, money cometh. <laughs> so we're driving back to Wolfers Bay and we're saying, yeah, that is, and lo and behold, we come and someone puts money in our hands. Boah, right there. Money goeth, money cometh. The Father takes care of us. Right. You see, and so, and so, um, so our whole thing is, is that you may boldly, that's why I, yeah, that's why I was in that testimony, that you may boldly say, that you can stand here and say, you know what, that was God. That was God. You know, and, uh, and God wants us to do that because we are called to reveal our Father. Reveal our Father. And that has different aspects and so on. Okay, uh, take me back to Luke chapter 12. Let me see where I am. Okay, I'll just go five minutes and then I'll stop. I'll just have an intro into this session of Luke 12. Luke 12, I think it's verse 16. Now go to 20. Let me see here. 22. 22. Yeah. 22. Now, in, in, in Luke 12 from verse 13, we read the story of beware of covetousness. We read a parable. And then immediately after the parable, Jesus kicks in and he goes into, do not worry about what you eat, do not worry about what you drink. You see, like my scenario, you know, we must spend 1,007 to go stay in a night place for two nights. But what about the eating and the drinking when we get home? What about the, those things, right? And, and so God, God was teaching me uh, the mind of a son. The mind of a son, not the, the mind of an orphan. The mind of a son. The mind of the son is, what, 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 I've, what I've learned in the last two years is that, that sometimes what I have, I can just spend it on, on something, you know. Um, the, the one time we, we did the same thing. Now there's a different way you do it. Some people buy because they're struggling with something and they need to feel good so they buy. You know, that's not sonship. That's, <laughs> I don't know, that's something else, right? You need so, um, those type of things. But when the motive behind, when it is, I'm a son, then it works. It works. I mean, I can honestly sit here and, and stand here and say it works. And uh, the one time she needed clothes, and I was like, and it's like, she needs clothes. And I said, man, let's try this thing. God's our father. You know, and, and basically this money is most for food and so on. And say, okay, let's go buy. And lo and behold, next day or two days later, maybe two or three days, God knows how long you can hold on. Then he comes and he, there someone gives money and then we fine again. You understand? So, uh, here, after speaking about the parable, he goes into this one. And so, 
I advise you to go and read about it um, for next week Sunday. He said unto his disciples, therefore. See, therefore means I just said something before. So in what I'm now going to say, I'm going to tell you another way. I'm going to show you another way. And uh, he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. Next one. The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. A mindset of contentment. That's basically what it is saying to me. It's a mindset of contentment. Be content. He says, he says, if you have a body, okay, don't walk around naked. <laughs> so if you got clothes, hey, you're blessed. You're really good. <laughs> that's, that's basically what he's saying. If you got clothes, you're blessed. Right? Naked, you came naked, you leave. Right? Next one. Consider the ravens, for they neither, they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than the fowls? You see, this one talks about storehouse and barn. The parable spoke about the man enlarging his barn. Do you understand? Okay, you with me? And, uh, and then he, he says, they sow not, they reap not. But the father, do you know, when you go into the prosperity teaching, the prosperity teaching, as much of its teaching has to do with sowing and reaping. Right? Much, it is dominated by sowing and reaping. I mean, give your $50, God's going to do a miracle for you. Um, God gave me Psalm 48, Psalm 48. I preach out of Psalm 48, Psalm 48. He shall be your God. He shall be your protection. I don't even know what stands in Psalm 48. I'm just making an example. Right? But Psalm 48, Psalm 48. Give 48, Psalm 48, Psalm 48. God's going to, Psalm 48 is yours, yours, yours. So, and God, so, so. The numbers, the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. Hey, it sounds like someone who's at the auction, you know? Boom, boom, come. Going, going, going. Going once, going twice. Come on, come on. You know, and it's, I mean, you feel if you don't give, you won't get the blessing, right? It's a sowing and a reaping. It's, it's dominated by the sowing and the reaping principle. So what happens to you if you don't sow? You feel you won't get from God. You feel that God won't take care of you. Jesus is coming down and he says, who are we listening? We are listening to a son. You got to understand. We are listening to the son of God. No one understands the father better than the son. No one knows the way. Better to walk with the father than the son. I am the way. I son am the way. No one can come to the father but by me. That means I am the word way means a course of life. A way to live. I, when you come to the father, I am the way, the course, the way you should live in relationship to the father. Right, and, uh, and Jesus says that what he's saying, he's not telling you not to sow and reap. That's not what he's telling you. He's telling you, but he's telling you that when you, again, when you're in the charismatic and the, the prosperity teaching, which is dominated by sowing and reaping, there are those who don't give and then there are those who work the principle. Shalom et me. 
They work the principle. They, they know if they sow, they reap. They know it. So they sow, and they sow, and they reap, and they reap. Now, the trust is more in the principle than it is in the Father. Right? And Jesus says, I want you to go so far as having your trust in the Father. That's what he wants. He wants you to go so far. Right? Now it changes the dynamic. It changes now. When I sow or when I give, I don't give to reap. I sow because I know I have a Father who provides. It's a very different way of looking at it. Right? Which neither have storehouse nor bar. You see, so when I spent the 1,700, it was, it was not because, it's not because I was sowing. It was because I was, not, I had to get my mind on the fact that God is my Father. What? It is a father's responsibility to take care of his children. You are worth more than many sparrows, he says. Right? And then, um, so, so it's the father's responsibility. There was this one time when I also, I gave the previous day my last money. Now I knew the next is on its way. The next day, someone puts an envelope into my hand. I didn't know how much it was. Because the minute it came into my hands, God said, give it to Lisa. I'm like, I also need. Now I must give this. I, I was then expecting the next batch because I just finished my last. So I was expecting my next batch to come. And here it comes. And I'm like, praise God. And then I... Uh, Give it to Lisa. And then I happened to be taking Lisa home. And now while I'm dying, I'm thinking, Lisa, okay. You're okay. Now, now, I'm, now I'm, I'm thinking about this thing again. And then the Lord really made the whole way it works open for me. The scripture that says, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow takes care of itself. Then I said, oh, okay. So... What I have today, I can use because tomorrow there is a father who gives for tomorrow. Right? So there's, okay. So I gave Lisa. That was two, three days. And it's always different. It's, it's, it always changes. You understand? And yeah, which neither have storehouse nor barn. So I, I'm basically giving everything. I have no stores. I have no place where I store up. Right? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't stop. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that, um, that a good father lays up an inheritance for his children's children. So I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about a, a way of walking with the father. A barn and God feeds them. How much more are you not better than the father? The way you've got to see the heart of God. This is, this is the key. You, you, you can't just do this by a principle. You've got to do this you got to grasp the heart of the Father. The love of the Father for you. He says you are more, you are better than fowls. You are worth more than many sparrows. Not one hair of your head shall, shall. I know it, I can count it, it will not. I, I am there, I'm your Father. I will take care of you. I will be there. It is my responsibility. 
But what I learned was that you had to give God the responsibility. Right? And uh, I think I'll stop there next week. I'll, I'll go more into detail about it. The basic, and it's very simple to understand it. Just if you are a parent, just go and study the dynamic here. Your, your children are not worried about eating and drinking. They know. Or they don't even, they haven't even, they haven't even had that concept that my father will feed me. They, they just somehow know it's there. <laughs> if there's no food in the fridge, they know it's going to be there. Because they got parents. It's the, this is what, and in the New Testament, we've been invited into a father-son relationship. And God's goal for you is sonship. That is the goal of God. Sonship. Right? Let's just stop there. Father, I just thank you. I pray, Father, that we will, that we will um, just see your heart as a father. Just see how much you love us. Just see how much um, you want to be the one who feeds, provides, and clothes for us. Father, I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, I pray that this will, will be our mindset and how we will grow in, in you and learn to be sons and learn to come and to walk with you as our Father. Amen.